Welcome to the special edition of Fascinating Nouns. I am Daniel J. Glenn. Now, what we have for you today is a very special treat, as promised. This is Dark Adventure Radio Theater's presentation of Herbert West Reanimator. Now, I want to stress that this is a complete story, but is not the full story. If you want to download both this and several other wonderfully reenacted H.P. Lovecraft stories, go to cluelulives.org. C-T-H-U-L-H-U-L-I-V-E-S dot O-R-G. There's wonderful stories up there, a huge selection, and all incredibly theatrically acted, much like you would have heard on the radio in the 20s and 30s when H.P. Lovecraft was writing these stories. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this presentation of Herbert West Reanimator. Following a transfer. From atop the lowest state theater building, colossal, tremendous, Tales of intrigue, adventure, and the mysterious occult that will stir your imagination and make your very blood run cold. This is Dark Adventure Radio Theater with your host, Erskine Blackwell. Today's episode, H.P. Lovecraft's Herbert West Reanimator. student dreams of bringing life to the dying and to the dead. How far will he go to achieve his dreams? Will his genius unlock the secrets of life and death? Or will boundless ambition twist his noble purpose into something monstrous? You know, folks, nothing says success quite like a bright, radiant smile. And for truly gleaming teeth, there's no better toothpaste than forehands. Now with new Radiol. It's the very latest thing. A safe extract of radium scientifically developed in the finest medical laboratories of Europe. Use it twice a day, and your teeth will positively glow. Try forehands toothpaste with new Radiol. For a smile that shines from the inside out. And now, Dark Adventure Radio Theater presents H.P. Lovecraft's Herbert West, Reanimator. Chapter One, From the Dark. Immunity. Immunity. Complete immunity. That's impossible. Nonsense. It's well within your power, Mr. Taft. Grant my client immunity from prosecution, and he'll tell you the whole story. Everything you want to know. And if I don't? (laughs) Then you're unlikely to ever make a case against Herbert West. You know that. Now look here. We all know that West was the killer here. My client was a victim in all of this. 
He was with West for years, and now he wants to cooperate. But he'll need immunity. I want West. He'll tell everything? He's promised to hold nothing back. All right, Mr. Solomon. The Commonwealth agrees to grant Dr. Stewart full immunity, but his story better be good. Mrs. Ruha, the stenographer, will record the transcript. Very well. It's all right, Dr. Stewart. You can answer his questions now. This is Hiram Taft, District Attorney of Suffolk County. Deposition in the matter of Herbert West, M.D., September 29th, 1922. Please state your name and occupation for the record. Dr. Gordon Stewart, M.D. Do you solemnly swear that the testimony you're about to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? God help me. I do. All right, Doctor. Let's hear it. The whole story. I hardly know where to begin. Well, where did you first meet him? We met at the Miskatonic University Medical School in Arkham. And what year was this? We met in 1904, but it was in our third year that we began working together. I was his closest companion, and the wonder and diabolism of his experiments fascinated me utterly. What were these experiments? West had theories about the nature of death and the possibility of overcoming it artificially. Excuse me, overcoming death? Yes. Our professors didn't believe it either. But life depends on chemical actions in the body, and West developed chemical solutions that he hoped would reanimate tissue. It worked, not perfectly, of course, on laboratory animals, but he needed better specimens to move forward. I was with him the day he went to the dean, Dr. Alan Halsey, to plead his case. no place to try and corner Dean Halsey. He can refuse me an appointment at his office, but he can't get away from me here. Let's go, Mr. Turner! Would you listen to these morons? Oh, oh there he is, West. In the faculty box. Ah, yes, Stuart. Well spotted. Um, Out of the way, me. apes. Excuse me? Watch it, buddy. Dr. Halsey, may I have a word? Mr. West, I'm surprised to see you here. Finally feeling some school spirit. <laughs> no, Dr. Halsey, I'm here in the name of science. I should have expected no less. You've got the makings of a fine physician, West. Not at this rate. I've been banned from the vivarium. How am I supposed to research... I've been hearing reports about your research. How many laboratory animals have you injected now with your various potions? A handful of mice and rabbits, sir, is hardly... And guinea pigs. And cats. And dogs. And monkeys. But my reagents worked, sir. It's true, Dr. Halsey. I've, I've seen it myself. No, Mr. Stewart. What you saw was the torture of helpless creatures. You saw galvanic nerve response in animals that were probably not actually dead to begin with. Of course they were dead. My reagent doesn't work in living tissue. My experiments require the freshest possible specimens. Mr. West, 
Experiments require ethics. Physical life can be restored to dead tissue. As long as actual decomposition has not advanced too far, I'm certain of it. You're not the first young doctor with the fantasy of staving off death. I can cure death, Dr. Halsey. Will you really stand in the way of such a medical achievement? Your persistence is remarkable, West. So, you want a few more guinea pigs, another monkey? No, sir. In order to make real progress, I must work with human specimens. Human? You can't be serious. I'm perfectly serious, sir. You're the only one who can authorize it. West, you're our most gifted student, and I've made exceptions on your behalf, but this is beyond the pale. Under no circumstances will I authorize the use of human specimens. Sir, you must... Look around you, West. You want life? You're surrounded by it. Spirited, healthy. With all due respect, sir, that view is childishly sentimental. West, maybe we should... Life is nothing but a chemical process that answers to the laws of physics. It can be controlled, manipulated. Human life is sacred, West. Human beings are... Machines, sir. Terribly complex, yes, but machines all the same. They'll all break down and fail eventually. And when that happens, I can start them going again. Can you? Take it I can see I was wrong about you, West. You're not ready to be a physician. I should have stopped you long ago. For your own good and for the good of the school, consider yourself on formal academic probation. And that's what led to the first horrible incident. Mr. West didn't obey Dean Halsey's restrictions? Herbert was never one to take no for an answer. I see. And did you continue to assist him? Yes. I found his determination quite compelling. I helped find a suitable place for our work the deserted Chapman farmhouse on the outskirts of Arkham. We fitted up on the ground floor an operating room and a laboratory, each with dark curtains to conceal our midnight doings. Gradually, we equipped our lab with materials either purchased in Boston or quietly borrowed from the college and acquired spades and picks for the many burials we should have to make in the cellar. I'm sorry, burials? Well, bodies were always a nuisance, even the guinea pigs and rabbits. Did Wes get his hands on the human cadavers he was after? You make it sound easy. I still say we should have gone to the city morgue. There's a paper trail. Halsey would find out there'd be legal entanglements. Well, what about those two Negro fellows who procure for the college? Oh, what, Uncle Tom and Uncle Remus? There's no telling what we'd get from the likes of them. If the specimen isn't of the highest quality, there's no point, Stuart. Well, then surely Christchurch Cemetery is a better location. Those are quality people. I'm sure to be embalmed. Use your brains. A body full of formaldehyde is useless. Oh, of course. Here we are. The Potter's Field. Look at it. Natural corpses, shallow graves, no questions. I've been keeping an eye on it. The caretaker went home at midnight. You rob graves. You can answer, Dr. Stewart. Yes. Uh, we had to. You, you see, not just any corpse would do. Accident victims were our best hope. We followed the local death notices like ghouls, and finally we heard of an almost ideal case. A brawny young workman, drowned only the morning before and buried at the town's expense without delay or embalming. 
We began our work soon after midnight. Oh, keep it up, Stuart. It can't be much deeper now. This is brutal. How do you do it, West? You're half my size. You're twice the energy. You eat too much. I've always said it. No discipline. Come on now, quit complaining. Every minute he's in the ground reduces our chance of success. We might be too late already. Uh, death by drowning might actually have bought us some time. The deprivation of oxygen to the brain might work in our favor. Uh, uh, there it is. Come on. Perfect. Plain pine box. Get the crowbars. Here they are. Well, don't stand there. Let's get this thing open. Westies. I didn't think he'd be so... It, Stuart, not he. It's a specimen, nothing more. Help me get him out. We've got to fill all this dirt back in and get out of here before dawn. We took the specimen and removed all traces of our visit. When we had patted down the last shovelful of earth, we put the specimen in a canvas sack and set out for the Chapman place. The canvas sack? And what did you do then? We examined the specimen on our dissecting table. At last, West had what he had always longed for, a real dead man of the ideal kind. Now time was our enemy. Rigor mortis is almost completely dissipated. Damn this weather. Rectal temperature, 18.6 degrees Celsius. Obvious post-mortem lividity. Eyes, milky, unquestionably dead. Look at his hands. Yes, cataleptic rigidity. You see that in drownings when the victim clutches at something in his final moments. Good luck for us, actually. It means he went quickly. Do you suppose he suffered? Gordon, please. Don't go soft on me. Putrefaction will commence within the hour. Right. Syringe number one. Here it is. All right. Note the time. I'm injecting him now. First, the heart. Now, under the jaw. And finally, the solar plexus. There. It's done. Now what? Now we wait. Hand me a cigarette. Do you think we made it in time? We've cut it close, no doubt. I suppose it's unrealistic to expect anything like complete success. What if he ends up like monkey number seven, only partially animated, flailing around? Keep that shovel handy. I'll be curious to see how his mental faculties recover. If they recover, the cerebral cells are so delicate. Imagine it, West. If he could tell us what it's like on the other side, the things he might have seen there. Yeah, don't get your hopes up. Hand me that stethoscope, will you? Here you go. Hear anything? Nothing. Move the head from side to side while I do chest compressions. See if we can help work the solution into the tissues. He's so big. Exactly. I should have anticipated that. Damn it, the solution is crystallizing. We'll never get adenosine transfer that way. I'm going to try open-heart massage. Hand me those bone shears. But what if he... Every second counts now. Stuart, hurry up. Right. Here, grab this. Hold it back. If I can just stimulate the sinoatrial node. I can't see. Can you reach the lamp? Well, it's just beyond... Careful. Don't knock it over. Just go get it. Right. Sorry. Here. Is that better? All right. There it is. Pull back the sternum. Far enough. Further. If I can just get to it. It's no good. We need more solution. Hurry, set that down and help me mix it. Should I start with interstitial fluid? Yes, make it two liters. Light that alcohol burner. West, did you hear that? Yes. I was right. Halsey will eat his words. I was right all along. It worked. 
God West, it worked! Yes! Oh God! Get back! The lamp! Look out! Run, Stuart! Hold still, you! Leave him! Shall I continue, Mr. Taft? Do you need some water? No, no, no. Uh, continue, please. West and I leaped from the burning building and vaulted madly into the night. We stumbled frantically towards town, pretending to be belated revelers, staggering home from a debauch. We went straight to West's room, where we whispered with the gas up until dawn. Hmm. I take it neither you nor Dr. West were ever charged for these crimes? No. And what became of the body? Ah, the body. Well, I can tell you that from that time on, West always looked over his shoulder. Guilty conscience? West had no conscience, guilty or otherwise. No, it was because of what we read the next morning. Arkham Advertiser, read all about it. President Roosevelt okays digging at the Panama Canal. Chubbin Farmhouse Burns, read all about it. Boy, I'll take one of those. Two cents, sir. Here. What does it say? Farmhouse Burns. The Volunteer Fire Brigade says nothing remains of the old structure, all of our equipment. West, look here. What? On the back page. Vandalism at Potter's Field. It can't be. That grave looked perfect when we left. Caretaker Marvin Corey says an attempt was made to disturb a new grave in the Potter's Field. The ground appears as though clawed by bare hands. Chapter 2. The Plague Demon. Did you and Dr. West continue this research after the event at the farmhouse? I urged Herbert to drop it, but I was no match for his scientific zeal. It was the following summer, 1908, when typhoid stalked through Arkham. Good heavens, I remember that. Herbert's probation was eventually lifted, and we were doing postgraduate work and summer classes at the medical school when the fever descended with full fury upon the town. Dr. Halsey summoned us to his office at St. Mary's Hospital. But Dr. Cassidy says that the corridors downstairs can't hold another bed. I'm not surprised. We'll try to find more room at the field house. Most of the students have fled campus anyway. I'm afraid you'll have to attend to the patient in room 27. Call Dr. Sterling. I'm sure it will require a bowel resection, and he's our best man. Sir... Dr. Sterling has the fever himself. No! Bedridden since yesterday. I suppose Dr. Waldron won't go near it. No, sir. Says it's too risky. All right, Nurse Ritz. I'll go up there myself as soon as I can. Yes, Dr. Halsey. And those two medical students are here to see you. So I see. Go on now. And wash your hands. Ah, Mr. West... Mr. Stewart, just the men I was looking for. Close the door, please. As you know, we're stretched to the limit by this typhoid plague. Is there any progress in finding the source? We're still looking into it. I heard folks at the Five and Dime actually whispering about witchcraft. That's all we need, Arkham. No, it seems the mayor's own daughter was among the first cases shortly after those visiting dignitaries from New York left town. Apparently they had some Irish cook that behaved strangely. <laughs> the Irish. 
Gentlemen, your education is about to take a very practical turn. Sir? We're going to have to suspend classes until this thing is under control. Every member of the faculty is working around the clock. Four of my physicians are now ill. A quarter of the nursing staff. Oh, so now you turn to us? <laughs> Although you and I haven't seen eye to eye, West. And even though neither of you is a licensed physician yet... You have your degrees and you have laboratory experience. What do you want us to do, sir? Practice medicine. Manage some of the new and less severe cases directly. Try to prevent them from growing worse while Dr. Cassidy and I attend to advanced cases. It's interesting, isn't it? When I came to you for help in pursuing vital research, you and your colleagues hindered, scorned, and mocked me. Now death surrounds you and you need my help. Desperate times, Mr. West. Frankly, your bedside manner is not entirely comforting. But if it's research you want to do, if it's life you want to preserve, now's your chance. You can help patients and follow up on the work of Dr. Wright in developing a vaccine. I could have helped you a year ago, but you thwarted my work. Probation. You and your pathetic puritanism, your precious bedside manner, masks your narrow, hidebound... Mr. West! The real work! <coughs> Dr. Halsey? I'm too tired to argue with you, Mr. West. And too busy. This community needs you both. And I expect you to do your duty. Your nose is bleeding. What? Epistaxis? Your nose, it's bleeding. So it is. Can I count on you? Both of you. Yes, sir. We won't let you down. Report to the main nurse's station and review the first floor charts immediately. Gentlemen. You'll understand if I decline to shake your hand, Doctor. I do. Good luck, doctors. <coughs> Yikes. He doesn't look good. His infection's rampant. I'd give him ten days tops. Well... Shall we, Dr. Stewart? <laughs> Indeed, Dr. West. The situation at the hospital was almost past management, and deaths ensued too frequently for the local undertakers fully to handle. Burials without embalming were made in rapid succession, and even the Christchurch Cemetery receiving tomb was crammed with the coffins of the unembalmed dead. West brooded on the irony of the situation. So many fresh specimens, yet none for his own research. The peak of the epidemic was reached in August. West was right about Dr. Halsey. He died on the 14th. The mayor himself spoke at a hastily arranged memorial service the following day. We have had a champion defending us. We mourn his loss. Dr. Alan Halsey was nothing less than a hero who sacrificed himself to save this town in its darkest hour. He applied his noble skill with wholehearted energy to cases which many others shunned because of danger or apparent hopelessness. He did it without fear and without a thought for himself. A gentleman, a wise teacher, and an angel of mercy to the afflicted. Arkham has lost one of her greatest fathers, one of her dearest sons. 
Gordon, Herbert, good to see you boys. Did you see the wreath? It's from all of us medical students. It's that one there. Yes, it's very nice. Well done, Phil. I hear the lady's auxiliary is raising funds for a statue. <laughs> yes, yes. But where's the coffin? Isn't our little memorial rather missing its main figure? His body's still in the morgue. It's total chaos down there. And besides, I heard the last coffin in town was taken a week ago. Every funeral home in town is back over for weeks. You don't say. Offerman's Furniture Store has started making pine boxes. Gee, Halsey's still in the morgue? That doesn't seem right. It's the only cold room in town. With this heat, it's the best place for him. Listen, some of the med students are going over to Tosa's memory at the pub later. Want to join us? Oh, I don't know, Daryl. West and Halsey never really... We'll be there. turned it over and said to me, if you think that's bad, you should see his medulla oblongata. <laughs> <laughs> Let's raise one final glass of embalming fluid to our old mentor, a great man. May he rest in peace. To Dr. Halsey. To Dr. Halsey. His life was too long. May his death be brief. What was that, West? A toast to Dr. Halsey and his imminent contributions to medicine. Imminent? You mean... Eminent. Sure, that works too. You know, West, even when you're trying to be nice, you seem like a real creep. <laughs> Redefining the very forces of life and death has nothing to do with being nice, Phil. All right, fellas, it's been a long, sad day. No doubt we've all got patients to see tomorrow. Yeah, you're right. Good night, Stuart. West. Good night, West. It must be strange for you now with your foe, Dr. Halsey, gone. I know you two didn't care for each other, but I think you'll miss him. No, I know exactly where he is. Oh, Herbert. No. I'm not actually the least bit tired. It's time for an experiment. Come with me. We'll make a night of it. Let me sleep, woman. Oh, but they're doing something in there. It's probably just one of his experiments. That egghead works all night. Go back to bed, Harriet. Well, he came in about an hour ago with his friend, Dr. Stewart, and they had another man with them. I heard them fumbling to get in, and now they're... Mm -hmm. oh, oh, Phineas, wake up! I said they had another man with them. They were carrying him. Oh, they all seem drunk. None of our business. Well, imagine drinking at a time like this. Oh, Phineas, there is something going on in there. Harriet, it's three in the morning. Just leave them be. They're fine. Jesus, oh. Mary and Joseph. Uh, what is that? Oh, Phineas! Stay here. What's going on, Mr. Bacon? Down the hall. West's room. Dr. West, open up! Are you all right? What's going on in there? Stay out! Open up or I'll break it down! Jeffrey, help me! Dr. West? Good Lord! Stay back, Mrs. Bacon. I I'll go for the police! <gasps> Dr. West, I want you 
Harriet, stop screaming. He's unconscious. Looks like Dr. Stewart's out cold, too. <gasps> oh, the blood! I don't think it's his. Where's the other one get to? Out the window, I expect. Uh, must have landed on the bushes. He's gone now. Oh, here come the police. Thank goodness. Oh. Dr. West, Dr. Stewart, Ooh. can you hear me? What? Where is Dr. The... Stewart, are you all right? Huh? What, what happened? Oh, not again. West. West! Looks like he took quite a licking. West, wake up, damn it! All right, all right, what's going on? Sure in me, Gora. There was screaming and fighting, and that's Dr. West, our tenant. He's out cold. West, can you hear me? Oh, Stuart, did you stop him? If anyone sees, he's gone. Oh, look at these bloody rags. Officer, do something. All right. You, what's your story? Get out of here. I don't need your help. Well, you have some questions to answer me, boy -o. What happened here? My apologies, officer. Dr. West and I went out for a drink after our rounds last night. I'm afraid we overdid it. I'll say. And who are you, sir? Dr. Gordon Stewart. We're at Miskatonic. Well, what about that strange man? Ask them, officer. Who was that man I saw you with? Nighttime visitors are not allowed. Well, let's have it. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, he was just some fellow we met at the bar. Isn't that right, Dr. Stewart? Uh, yes, that's right. What bar? Um, the, uh... I, I don't actually remember. We... Went to a few. We were toasting the memory of our old teacher, Dr. Halsey. You see. Ah, Dr. Halsey, shame, great man. Yes. I'm afraid we drowned our sorrows quite thoroughly. Hmm. And what about this stranger? He beat you up? Steal anything? No, oh no. I'm fine. You're fine, aren't you, Dr. Stewart? Yes, fine. Fine? There's blood on these clothes. What kind of carrying on are you... Uh, Mrs. Bacon, please. These clothes are... Here for... Uh, they, they weren't his. I... We were analyzing them. We're working on a vaccine for the typhoid. The hospital is overwhelmed, so I was doing some of the work here. Hence all these beakers. We're scientists. That's right. I see. And this... I wouldn't touch that if I were you. Typhoid. <gasps> Mercy! Typhoid! Oh, Phineas, let's get out of here. No nighttime visitors, Dr. West. And no more science. This is a respectable house. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, Dr. Stewart will clean it up. We know how. And neither of you got this fella's name? Uh, no. He was in no shape to go anywhere, so we brought him back here to sleep it off. Uh, I guess he woke up in a strange room, got frightened, and ran. Probably not entirely sober yet. I wouldn't want to wake up here, I'll give you that. No real harm done, officer. But with the typhoid germs, it would be safer for everyone to leave at once. Well... We'll put out a bulletin and look for him. Oh, no, that poor man's been through enough already. If you don't mind, Dr. Stewart and I really should clean up. Right. I'll go easy on the drink now, right, lads? Certainly, of course. Thank you so much. My God, West. That was close. What'll we do? I don't know. Lay low. But he's out there. Yes, that should be interesting. What went wrong? It's this heat, damn it. It wasn't quite fresh enough. That night saw the beginning of the second Arkham Horror. A horror that to me eclipsed the plague itself. You probably read about it, Mr. Taft. Christ Church Cemetery was the scene of a terrible killing. A watchman was clawed to death in a manner which raised doubt as to whether a human being had been responsible. The manager of a circus nearby in Bolton was questioned, but he swore that no beast had escaped from its cage. Those who found the body noted a trail of blood leading to the receiving tomb where a small pool of red lay on the concrete just outside the gate. A fainter trail led away towards the woods, but it soon gave out. Well, go on, Dr. Stewart. The next night, 
devils danced on the roofs of Arkham, and unnatural madness howled in the wind. Through the fevered town had crept a curse which some said was greater than the plague, and which some whispered was the embodied demon soul of the plague itself. Eight houses were entered by a nameless thing which strewed red death in its wake. In all, seventeen maimed remnants of bodies were left behind by the voiceless, sadistic monster. Few persons had half seen it in the dark and said it was white and like a malformed ape. It had not left behind quite all that it had attacked, for sometimes it had been hungry. Good Lord, Gordon! On the third night, the police captured it in a house on Crane Street near Miskatonic. The thing was finally stopped by a bullet and was rushed to the hospital. Are you suggesting that this thing was... It had been a man. Our colleagues dressed its wound and carted it to the asylum at Sefton, where it beat its head against the walls of a padded cell for 16 years until it... And he wasn't identified? No one would have believed it if he had been. But those who saw it after its face had been cleaned noted the mocking resemblance to the learned and self-sacrificing martyr who had been eulogized but three days before. The late Dr. Alan Halsey. Chapter 3. Six Shots by Midnight Dr. Stewart, these ghoulish tales of yours strain credulity. My client is under oath, Mr. Taft. He's telling the truth. What you choose to believe is up to you. I can see why you wanted immunity. Now, did you continue your association with Dr. West after those events in the summer of 1908? I'm not proud of it, Mr. Taft, but I was young and frightened. Our history of shared experiences made it seem best to stick together. I assume there were more incidents? I tried to steer him towards more normal pursuits, but it was not easy to find a good opening for two doctors in company. We finally secured a practice in Bolton, a factory town near Arkham. The mills there are the largest in the Miskatonic Valley, and their polyglot employees were never popular with the local physicians. Our practice was surprisingly large from the very first, large enough to please most young doctors and large enough to prove a bore and a burden to a man whose real interest lay elsewhere. What, again? I'll get it. Yes? Dr. West? I'm Dr. Stewart. What is it? You and Dr. West, please to come. Is uh, hurt man. Hurt man? Speak up. Very bad hurt. Please, you come now. Is help, please. Ah, what's going on? What is it? A couple of Polak mill workers, by the looks of them, say there's an injury. Naturally. It's almost 11 o'clock at night. Bring the injured man here in the morning. No tomorrow. Please to come now. Look, the hospital is the best. No, no hospital. It, it hospital is police. Oh, it's like that, is it? Please to come now. Is very bad. Has someone been shot? Stabbed? Is man is... Oh, speak up. Out with it. Is fighting how to say... What, a bar fight? Broken glass? Sort of a boxer. Professional boxer. Another boxing match? Oh, these people. No, is get up. Please, to come now. He's going for to die. To die? All right, we'll come. Dr. Stewart, let's collect our equipment. Right. All of our equipment. Right. It's here, doctors. Please, you two, hurry. What? In this old barn? Since the city outlawed boxing, the locals arranged secret, improvised matches. 
It's only made it worse. Puritan idiots. I suppose next they'll prohibit alcohol and cigarettes. Everybody relax. The doctor is here. All right, what do we have here? Here is men. You look at him. Yes, yes, step aside and let us examine him. Oh, my God, he's black as coal. He's too late. No, he's breathe. Look at this brute. Good God. Is that a man or a gorilla? Look at this reach. No wonder he was a professional boxer. Those aren't arms, they're forelegs. No pulse. No respiration. No pupillary response. Well, it's little wonder. Look at his head. Acute subdural hemorrhage, no doubt. It'll be terribly brain damaged. But otherwise glorious. And he's only been dead a matter of minutes. Oh, Herbert. All right, what happened here? Come on, speak up. We can't help you if you don't tell us. His boxing match. Yes, yes. Who was the other fighter? Is he injured? It's me, Kid O'Brien. You? You're named O'Brien? Yeah, Kid O'Brien. Right. And I'm Emperor Yoshihito. His name for fighting. <sighs> All right. And who is he? Name Buck Robinson. Harlem Smoke. Professional. New York City. So what happened? I knock him out. He not get up. It's okay? No, he's dead. Well, he might be dead. Look, you people are in serious trouble. This is an illegal fight, and this man has been killed. The police have to be notified. It's accident. It's bad mistake. Please, you help us. There's nothing we can do. Not necessarily, Dr. Stewart. Please, Mr. Doctors. Dr. West. Look, he's from out of town. He'll never be missed, and these people won't say a word. Apart from the head trauma, he's a perfect specimen. And he's still warm. Damn you, West. No, never mind about that. Look, it's true you people could be in terrible trouble, but Dr. Stewart and I will take care of him. There's no need for the police to become involved. No police? Y you fix him? Yes, I fix. But we have to do it now. All of you, leave this bar now and keep your mouths shut. We'll do the rest. Thank you very much. You are like heroes. Forget about it. And tell all of them to forget about it. This never happened, understand? Yes, we go now. Go home! There is something wrong about this doctor. There was bright moonlight that night, but we dressed the thing and carried it home between us through the deserted streets. We approached the house from the field in the rear and took the specimen in the back door and down the cellar stairs. And now the third injection. That should be plenty, considering the size of this great black beast. Anything? Nothing. Wake up, damn you! Ah, nothing! That's four different formulations we've tried and no response. I thought surely this time we'd have it. What's gone wrong? It is a Negro specimen. Maybe they're different. Hmm. Maybe one of my older formulas is called for. Maybe, but then again, they never really worked on the monkeys either. There's no need to be insulting, Gordon. We've been at this for hours, West. Even with the right formula, right now his brain would still be mush. It'll be dawn soon. We should get rid of it while we can. <sighs> well, I suppose you're right. We dragged the thing to the woods near the potter's field and buried it there in the best sort of grave the frozen ground would furnish. In the light of our lanterns, we carefully covered it with leaves and dead vines, and then returned to our patients and tried to forget it. There you go, Mrs. Kelly. Now, take two of these tablets each evening 
and try to get some rest. Oh, thank you, Doctor. Sure, and I'm hoping you get some rest yourself. You look as though you haven't had a wink of sleep at all. Oh, don't you worry about me. Well, you weren't troubled by those terrible Polacks, were you? Excuse me? I heard they're holding these fights again over on the Polish side of town. I heard a man was beaten to death. Shameful. I have no idea what you're talking about. But if someone had died, I'm sure I would have heard about it. Someone probably exaggerated what happened to make for a good story. Well, I don't know. You know what those Polish are like. Well, I think it would be... Stuart! I've just been... Dr. West, uh, you remember Mrs. Kelly? (sighs) Not perfectly. Heart murmurs? Oh, no. I have these terrible headaches, Dr. West. I was wondering... Right. Well, uh, Dr. Stewart has you taken care of there. Run right home and go to bed. That's my advice. Well, sure, I... I... No, no. No talking. Uh, (laughs) Straight to bed. No visitors. Doctor's orders. Do you need a note? No? Very good. Goodbye now. But, Doctor... Subtle. Listen, I... She knew about the fight. What? People are talking. She heard someone died. I nearly died myself. I was just attacked by Mr. Alfonso. What? Why? Mrs. Alfonso's dead, and he blames me. What did you do? I, I thought you went over there because she was having hysterics. I did. Her five-year-old wandered off this morning, and no one has seen him all day. <laughs> Mrs. Alfonso was getting terribly worked up. Remember her weak heart? So they called me. I told her she was ridiculous to be so worried. The boys wandered off before, but you know what those Italians are like, superstitious peasants. I'm about to sedate her, and some cousin or someone shows up and says they still haven't found him, and she up and has a heart attack right in front of me and the husband. Oh, Herbert. You didn't. Oh, I didn't touch her. Stupid cow worried herself to death. Then Mr. Alfonso starts screaming at me in Italian, cursing me because I didn't save her. He drew a knife. He would have stabbed me if the mob of cousins hadn't held him back. Great Scott. First your damn Negro and now this. Lunatic. I got out of there. And that kid is still missing. Oh, good Lord. If the police get involved, if they start searching those woods... You don't have to tell me. And you thought they wouldn't say a word. They'll never talk, you said. Oh, all right, all right. We'll be chased out of town, assuming we don't both land in prison. Oh, calm down. I'm the one who should be worried. That crazed Italian could come over here and cut my throat. Where's my revolver? We should shut off the lights and act like nothing's happened. Behave normally. Mrs. Kelly's probably telling all her friends about you right now, the way you rushed her out of here. Aha. Uh-huh. Loaded. I feel better already. Let's batten down the hatches and let it blow over. We'll know more tomorrow. All right. You get the lights and I'll get the doors. Everything was quiet, but I slept fitfully. Can I presume that something unpleasant happened? You could say. It would be like one of those morons to try the back door. What if it's the police? Put away the gun! What if it's the mad Italian? I'm keeping it. We both went down the stairs on tiptoe, with a fear partly justified by the recent events, and partly that which comes only from the soul of the weird small hours. When we reached the door, I cautiously unbolted it and threw it open as the moon streamed revealingly down on the form silhouetted there. West did a peculiar thing. (laughs) 
looming hideously against the spectral moon was a gigantic, misshapen thing not to be imagined save in nightmares. A glassy-eyed, ink-black apparition covered with bits of mold, leaves, and vines, foul with caked blood, and having between its glistening teeth a snow-white, terrible cylindrical object terminating in a tiny hand. Chapter 4. The Scream of the Dead. Good Lord, Dr. Stewart. Gordon, that's terrible. It was terrible. Terrible indeed. But I fear it was not the worst of my experiences with Herbert West. It gets worse? I mean, is that possible? Oh, yes. The scream of a dead man gave me the acute horror of West which colored the latter years of our companionship. I should have thought you'd be used to that. Please continue, Dr. Stewart. Yes, well... I had been on a long visit to my parents in Illinois, you see, and upon my return... Stuart! Come with me! I've made extraordinary progress in your absence. I believe I have finally solved the problem of freshness. <laughs> well, hello to you too, West. Uh, let me just put my valise oh, later. Here. We haven't succeeded in restoring a specimen to rational, sensible life, because even the least decay hopelessly damages the brain structure. They're never fresh enough. Right. Well, I've come at it from an entirely new angle. Artificial preservation. Ah, that embalming fluid you've been working on? Exactly. I believe I've perfected it. But, West, you can't put embalming fluid into a body until it's already dead, and that's always the holdup that sinks us. Yes, until now. Come with me. I followed West to the secret laboratory we'd fitted up in the cellar with a long table under electric lights. Stretched out on that table, I saw a disturbing shape concealed by a white shroud. My newest embalming agent preserves tissues just as they are at the moment it hits the bloodstream. If we inject it at the precise moment of death, we can prevent decomposition even from beginning. West, what have you done? Fate has finally been kind to us. Look. Oh, West, where did he come from? A traveling salesman got off the train and was walking through town looking for the worsted mills. Well, how did he end up here? He got lost. He'd been wandering around for hours, knocked on the door and asked for directions. I meant, how did he end up on the slab? All the walking in this July sun had drained him. I could see he was on the verge of collapse, dehydration, so I invited him in. Told him I was a doctor, offered him a stimulant, but he wouldn't have it. I went to get him some water and he dropped dead right in front of me. Heat stroke, tragic. He was absurdly overdressed in a wool suit. Really? See for yourself. There are his things. St. Louis driver's permit, name of Robert Levitt. No family photos in that wallet, and no wedding ring on his finger. He never made it to the mills. No one knows he's here. I'm sure you'd like to think that. It's been two weeks, Stuart. No one's come looking for him. Believe me, I've been keeping my ears open. Two weeks? You think you can bring him back after waiting that long? Well, that's what I've been trying to tell you. It's my new embalming fluid. I injected him within seconds after he hit the floor. He's perfectly preserved. Look at him. It's uncanny. It looks as though he might just be asleep. And that's with no refrigeration. Well, what do you propose? I've prepared the reanimating solution and saved him so that we could bring him back together. If we fail, no one will be the wiser. We'll bury him out in the woods with the others. But if my embalming fluid has worked, our fame will be brilliantly and perpetually established. What do you say, shall we? Of course. 
Now, you're sure he's dead? Really, now, Stuart? Well, yes, it's just that... No, don't touch it. Why? I fear the embalming solution may make the specimen very delicate. I'll do the injections. Will you document the process? Right. Good luck, Dr. West. Thank you, Dr. Stewart. <laughs> I'm inserting nine cc's of serum into the first cephalic vein, approximately two centimeters above the point of injection of the embalming compound. Noted. This serum neutralizes the embalming solution, returning the subject to a normal state of relaxation prior to introduction of the reagent. He moved. West, the specimen moved. It's just an ion response to the serum. Hand me that pillow. What are you doing? You'll smother him. Smother? He's dead, Stuart. I just don't like to see the facial twitching. <clears throat> there. That's better. He's still. Check for a pulse. No pulse. Perfect. Hand me the reagent. Good. I'm now injecting 22 cc's of reagent. There. And now we wait. My God, West. If it works... This one could be capable of thought, of speech, perhaps to tell of what it had seen beyond the unfathomable abyss. This... Stay calm, Stuart. Don't expect too much. Yes, but imagine it, West, if, if he has been beyond. You know I don't believe in any of that nonsense, Stuart. There is nothing beyond. If he speaks at all, it's likely he'll speak whatever was on his mind at the last moment of his natural life. Look, there's a lividity in his cheeks. That was fast. Can you hear me, Mr. Levitt? I'm getting a pulse. West, he's breathing. Stay calm, Stuart. Look at his eyes. They're moving. Yes. They're opening. Stuart. Mr. Levitt, can you hear me? S speak to me. What, what have you seen? What can you tell me? Stuart, back off. Just observe. He might be able to tell us what lies beyond death, West. He might not last. This might be our only chance. I tell you, Stuart. Mr. Levitt, can you hear me? Where have you been? He hasn't been anywhere but on this table. He hasn't seen any god but me. He's speaking. What's he saying? Listen, Mr. Levitt, where have you been? Only now. Only now? What can it mean? Nothing. If his mind comes back at all, it will pick up from the moment I... from the moment he died. Well, did you? I, I mean, was he reanimated? In the next moment, there was no doubt that the solution had worked. But in that triumph, there came to me the greatest of all horrors. Not horror of the thing that spoke but of the depths to which I now realized West would sink. For that very fresh body threw out its frantic hands in a life-and-death struggle with the air, while West stood passively by and watched with clinical detachment. Then, before suddenly collapsing into a second final dissolution, Mr. Levitt cried out, No! What are you doing? I don't need a stimulant! Stop it! Keep off, you maniac! Keep that damn needle away from me! No! No! Chapter 5, The Horror from the Shadows. You're insane. You and West, you should both be locked up. My client is immune from criminal prosecution, Mr. Taft. He doesn't belong in a prison. He should be in a madhouse. This isn't about my client, Counselor. It's about Herbert West. This was a turning point for him. What do you mean? West's success in the revival of life by first killing an innocent victim changed him. His soul was calloused and seared and... He sometimes glanced at people with a hideous and calculating appraisal. I came to find Herbert West himself more horrible than anything he did. Why would you continue to work with him? I was held to him by sheer force of fear. His scientific obsession had degenerated into a hellish and perverse addiction to the abnormal. He gloated calmly over monstrosities which would make most men drop dead from fright. Dangers? 
he met unflinchingly. Crimes he committed unmoved. And that's when Clapham Lee entered the picture. Just before the war. This is the late Dr. Eric Clapham Lee of Canada, the surgeon? Yes. Unknown to me, West had been corresponding with him for some time. He shared in West's interests and conducted experiments of his own on which they had compared notes. Clapham Lee proposed the three of us join together in a medical practice in Boston where we could carry on the research without drawing attention to ourselves. And you and West agreed? West loved the idea. Bolton was growing uncomfortable for us, and Eric had real enthusiasm for the work. We treated a well-heeled clientele by day, but by night... Who could have dreamed what took place in our laboratory? West went further than ever, researching the reanimation of detached parts of bodies. He had wild ideas on the vital properties of living tissue and achieved some hideous preliminary results. Ah, Gordon, there you are. You're just in time. Eric? Herbert, the tea's on the upstairs. Good God! What is that thing on your arm? Meet Sphenodon punctatus, commonly called a tuatara. A lizard? Why on earth do you they need look a... like lizards, but they're actually far more primitive. I had them imported from New Zealand, delivered today. Beautifully. An evolutionary and biological blank slate. Well, how's that? Their embryonic tissue is the perfect medium for my work. Pluripotent precursor cells, Dr. Stewart. We can culture independent organic cells and nerve tissues from their eggs. Isolated from the blastocysts, you see. We can use it to determine whether any amount of consciousness or rational action exists without the brain itself. Could that be possible? That and more. We could surgically separate the different parts of a single living organism and use Dr. West culture to establish whether there exists any kind of ethereal, intangible <laughs> relation distinct from the material cells to link them together. Like an extension of the morphogenetic field. And what test subject you propose to dismember? Never mind him, Eric. I'm sure we can figure Actually, out... Actually, I've given some thought to that myself, and I have a solution I'd like to discuss. Ever since the Battle of Ypres, I've been thinking that I should join the war effort in Flanders. Both as a Canadian and as a surgeon, it's my duty. To enlist? To, to go to the trenches in Europe? Yes. Since the Huns gassed our boys over there, I feel it's time for me to take action. Are you mad, Eric? I think it's the right thing to do. I think you both should come with me. Your skills as surgeons could save lives on that battlefield. And West, those that can't be saved, well, they could further our work, eh? America's not at war. Not yet. But I could use my father's influence to have you attached to the 2nd Canadian Division. They won't turn down skilled volunteer physicians. I don't know. Being at the front? Oh, think of it, West. An unlimited supply of freshly killed specimens in every shape of dismemberment. You put it that way, it does sound tempting. What do you think, Stuart? You're always saying that America should take up arms and put the Kaiser in his place. Yes, for the good of mankind, not for easy access to cadavers. Stuart, think of the advances our research could lead to. Stitching up a few soldiers is a small price to pay. All right, we're in. We? You're unbelievable. How can you complain? You get to save civilization... And I get the most prodigious supply of freshly slaughtered human flesh the world has ever seen. <laughs> and so, in 1915, we entered the Great War with a Canadian regiment in Flanders. Clapham Lee himself was assigned elsewhere, and I was glad to be rid of him. 
West and I ended up in a field hospital behind the lines at St. Eloi. West rigged up a private laboratory in a barn-like structure where he claimed to be devising new and radical methods for the treatment of the hopelessly maimed. To be fair, there was an ungodly amount of maiming, and he did occasionally save a wounded soldier, but mostly he worked like a butcher, ankle-deep in gore. Besides parts harvested from the casualties, West continued working with the formula he developed from the reptile embryos. You helped him conduct experiments on wounded soldiers? They made him a major, Mr. Taft. He outranked me. I was at his mercy like never before. So you were just following orders? I lost the ability to feel shame long ago, Mr. Taft. West's embryonic reptile tissue was highly effective at maintaining life in organless fragments. In a dark corner of the laboratory, he kept a large incubator full of this reptilian cell matter, which multiplied and grew puffily and hideously. And no one objected to this? Your commanding officer? We were accomplished surgeons. We saved the men we could and hoped the others, well... Their sacrifices might someday be instrumental in conquering death. I... I don't know what to say. We heard Clapton Lee was awarded the Distinguished Service Order for his bravery in the field. And when the fighting grew heavy in our sector, he was assigned to return to St. Elois. Dr. West, Dr. Stewart, a plane's been shot down. They're bringing them in. How bad is it, soldier? Felt like a stone, sir. It was Lieutenant Hill's plane. Ronald Hill? He's our best pilot. Sir, yes, sir. There was a passenger. Dr. West, we need your help, sir. Bring them in. Here, put them on this table. Stewart, get the other one. Right. Over here, boys, quickly. This man is past help. There's not even enough here for the scrap bucket. Let me see his identity disc. Farewell, Lieutenant Hill. West! Get over here. What is it? It's Clapham Lee. Eric. He was a passenger on the plane, sir. He's gone, West. His spine's been severed. Propellers nearly clean through his neck. Yes. Terrible loss. West, uh... Everyone out! But, sir... There's nothing more you can do for these men. Leave them to us. Out! Out! I'm sorry, West. It's a shame. What are you talking about? I know you considered him a friend. Don't be ridiculous. Hand me that scalpel. What? Eric wouldn't have wanted us to waste this opportunity, Stuart. His head's been quite cleanly severed. It's all but perfect. West, have you no I sense? I said hand me the knife, Lieutenant. You're a monster. Yes, yes, I know. The knife, man. West seized what was once his friend and finished severing the head. He placed it in his vat of pulpy rectal tissue to preserve it and proceeded to treat the decapitated body now on the operating table. He injected new blood, joined certain veins, arteries, and nerves at the headless neck, and closed the ghastly aperture with a spare patch of skin. Could this headless body exhibit any of the signs of mental life which had distinguished Sir Eric Morland Clapham Lee? Don't look so stricken, Stuart. <laughs> Eric, of all people, would have appreciated this. <laughs> West injected his reanimating solution into the arm of the headless body. And as a few twitching motions began to appear, I could see the feverish interest on West's face. Eric won't let me down. Come on, damn it! Look! The body twitched and heaved, 
The arms and legs stirred in a repulsive kind of writhing. Then the headless thing threw out its arms in a gesture which was unmistakably one of desperation. An intelligent desperation. Yes, the nerves are recalling their last act in life. The struggle to get free of the falling aeroplane. Did you hear that? Hear what? That voice. For God's sake, Joe. It's clapping me. But how could John? <laughs> That's right, Eric. We were right, my God. It's coming from your cursed incubator. The bat in the corner, where you put his head! <laughs> well, it was chaos. German shellfire destroyed the building, and St. Elois was lost. It's a miracle we got out alive. Never thought I'd find myself rooting for the Germans. But in this case, I wish they had better aim. Did you serve in the war, Mr. Taft? Not overseas, no. Too old. And let me tell you, you don't know what horror is. You've been listening to H.P. Lovecraft's Herbert West Reanimator, brought to you by our sponsor, Forehands Toothpaste. Do you have a problem with freshness? You needn't if you use Forehands, now with radial, for a smile that's white from the inside out. Until next week, this is Erskine Blackwell, reminding you to never go anywhere alone. If it looks bad, don't look, and save the last bullet for yourself. Herbert West Reanimator was adapted for radio and produced by Sean Branny and Andrew Lieber. Original music by Reber Clark. The Dark Adventure Ensemble featured Aidan Branny, Sean Branny, Casey Camp, Mark Colson, Dan Conroy, Andrew Lehman, Barry Lynch, David Paveo, Kevin Stidham, Josh Tempe, Sarah Vanderpool, and Time Winters. Tune in next week for The Thirteenth Constellation, featuring Nate Ward and Charlie Tower. Dark Adventure Radio Theater is a production of the HPLAHS Broadcasting Group, a subsidiary of HPLAHS Incorporated, copyright 1931, plus 82.